August 21st, 1987, U.S. Marine Clayton J. Lone Tree was convicted of espionage in a military court in Quantico, Virginia. What was known as the Sex for Secrets scandals led to the recall of the entire 28-member contingent of Marine Guards from the Moscow Embassy. Espionage follows a set of rules, rules that really don't ever change, and it's because they work. We're going to look at this example and see why people get sucked into it, how they get recruited. Are they suckers? Are they stupid? Are spies that good? That's what we're going to talk about right here on Gray Man, Hiding in Plain Sight. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 50. Let's see if we can make 100. If you're going to look this up, you're going to be looking for Sex for Secrets Scandal back in 1987, U.S. Marine, convicted in Quantico, Virginia. This Marine was stationed in Moscow on embassy duty at the U.S. Embassy in 1987, where he confessed to passing documents to the Soviet Union, or more specifically to a KGB agent. The KGB agent's name is known. It's Violetta Siena. S-E-I-N-A. She was 25 years old. And if you find a picture of her, I mean, figure that's probably a mugshot or wherever they got it from, but it's 1987. She's a pretty good-looking girl. Now, I know a lot of you thinking of this is going to be a honeypot. Nah, not really. He kind of walked in this one a little bit easy for him. But what he did, most people would absolutely do. After being involved in a relationship with her, which was sexual at some point, she decided to blackmail him, and he started to hand her documents, which included things like names of CIA officers, undercover identities, and that kind of information. However, that's what is claimed by many people, but in reality, that didn't actually happen. What he did give her was some information on the work habits, timelines, when people went in and went out. Still very sensitive information, but like a lot of people probably would think, he didn't think it was really that bad. During the investigation, they figured out he was essentially lovesick and probably lonely being far away from home, that he wasn't really trying to commit treason. He wasn't trying to do anything bad. He was just in an emotionally compromised state, like a lot of people are in their early 20s and some people later on in life. And this is one of the many ways spies can take advantage of people they target, and he was targeted. See, Lone Tree said he first met her by chance at a subway station around 85, two years earlier than when he got in trouble, but that was not a chance meeting. She was a KGB agent. Not only was she profiling targets, she very well knew who he was, that he was working at the embassy, very likely that he was a Marine, and she was setting up these chance encounters. First red flag are chance encounters. They're really great in romantic comedies. You know, you get the chance encounter and they fall in love and they ask these questions. It's like they go get French fries and coffee and talk about all these things and all their personal stuff and it's so romantic and it's so unrealistic and dangerous for those who even participate in such conversations. Doesn't mean every time it happens, somebody's a spy, but you know what? While some people don't have boundaries, most people actually do. So when you meet a person, whether you realize they're too hot for you or not, or they're just a regular person, too many personal questions too soon is a red flag, especially when it comes along with a chance meeting. Now, the way he tells the story Quotes from his trial, he said, We got off together at a later stop, began a long walk, talking about various subjects, including American movies, books, foods, likes, and dislikes, etc. When you meet targets like this, 
Some of the things you need to do is show interest and validate their feelings and show that you're interested in them and that you have liked shared interests. Being in a foreign nation, being stationed there, be really easy to talk about the interest she had in America and seeing what he liked there in Russia. He then went on to describe the conversation further, which is something I just warned you about. He said, she asked me questions about my family's background, life in America, how I liked living in Moscow. We walked and talked for about two hours, after which she went home and I returned to the embassy. I can only imagine how much reports she had to write that night or the next few days and all the information she had to prepare her next questions and her next interactions for this target. She knew where he was from, probably knew a healthy about information about his family and his background, was able to use that information, cast it off the KGB, who very likely helped her, and also helped them in future endeavors, profiling, going after other peoples from America. Then the lovesick boy went a little too far. He said, we agreed to meet each other again. I suggested she try to come to some of the parties that are held in the embassy or other official establishments. Now, I don't know what security was like back then and what the protocols were, but that's very difficult these days in some aspects, but not all. But bringing somebody into the embassy or other official places for parties and social events only gets her around more people that are potential targets. Despite what she got from him and whatever her mission was, some of the gold would be if she actually went to those parties, met people, got more information, biographical stuff. Maybe they translated their names wrong and spelled them incorrectly. Maybe their jobs had changed. You know what kind of people are there? Are they politicians, military officers, people that are working in the country, liaisons from other nations? It gives them a lot of information that they can report, all of which is very valuable. See, when it comes to info that gets processed into intel, despite what you see in movies, the fact of the matter is it's all important. None of it really ranks higher than the other. Some of it could be more time sensitive. Some of it could be more immediate. But that doesn't mean in general it does. It ranks higher than the other. All the information is useful. So while many nations will always collect on random subjects like, let's say, nuclear weapons development, right? That's just as important as anything else. Now, let's say we find out there's some new big nuclear thing going on or some nuclear development, say North Korea or in Iran, there's a new weapon system. They got a new targeting system. It becomes more time sensitive and important to go after that information now rather than later because we found this out. But there's too many questions to answer to profile it all and say, well, let's go after this today. Even when you do that, the people that are collecting this information know enough about the questions that need answered that if they're getting what they're there for or not getting what they're there for, they will go after that other stuff if they can. And when you open the doors to them and put them around other people who are going to have that kind of intel, that kind of information to turn into intel, that is a gold mine. Now to go a little further, his thoughts on the process were that he realized he committed criminal acts as he stated, but he didn't believe he did anything so severely to be punished for treason. He claimed he gave nothing of value to them which is why I just explained to you what all that information's importance is or equal importance. It's not for him to decide what's of value. It's just like, it's not for him to decide what's classified. It's not for him to decide what's okay and not okay to give to foreign nationals. A lot of people that are convicted of treason or similar crimes, a lot of times had no idea they were doing it or really thought that what they were doing was okay when it's actually not. And that's even the case when they didn't know that it was happening. But they're like, well, that sucks. I got targeted, but this is all I gave them. So that's not a big deal. And they're like, yeah, really? Here's the handcuffs. You're going to prison. 
Now, he did throw a Hail Mary. This was around the time of Aldrick Ames, a little bit after that. And he was a huge spy. Been to treason against the United States, helping the Soviets. One of the pleas that Lone Tree made was that he was lured in by the KGB in order to make sure that he got caught to divert attention away from Aldrich Ames. Aldrich Ames might have been caught later. I don't remember the exact timeline. Maybe he was caught later. What's interesting about this is he's blaming them for conscious decisions he made, but it's funny to me that he says he was lured in. That's the job. When spies go after people, they lure them. They are predators. Acts of espionage are targets. It's planned. It's targeted. You're a predator. You're luring them in. You're baiting the trap. You're telling stories. You're lying. You're showing interest. You're validating. You're building relationships. That's what you do. Crazy thing is, if you go back and think about what he said about their interactions and when he met her at the subway... It doesn't sound different to me, really, than maybe what your friend met that random person or maybe that romantic comedy. That's why I mentioned in the beginning. This is why I say part of the rules, part of the things that are done on this job aren't really deviated from a whole lot because they work. They've worked throughout history. It's based heavily on human interaction and human nature, research that you've done, and it looks normal. Based on that conversation, meeting a girl at a subway, eventually after a couple interactions, meeting her, they get off somewhere, they take a walk, they share their interests, they're getting to know each other. Hey, maybe, you know, we can get together another time. Oh, yeah, that would be great. That's normal, everyday life. That's the point out and say, don't think every time somebody shows interest in your bar, that means they're a spy. But it's happened. Down when I was at Fort Huachuca, Arizona, which is where the Intel Training Center is for the U.S. Army and some other branches. Widely known piece of information, just in case anybody's like, hey, you got listeners in other countries. You can Wikipedia that shit. There was a time, and this was long before my time, but there was a time where there was a restaurant here just down the highway. I think it was an Italian restaurant. Eventually shut down, but prior to my time there, I can't remember the story of how it came about, but they figured out, somehow it was figured out that the people running it or working there, somebody, they were essentially spying on people. And there's this big sting, basically, and law enforcement went in there, and it was, it's a small town trying to look like an Italian environment, and they got like, you know, those half walls set up around the booths to create a sense of privacy and romance, and the walls are like, you know, 10 inches wide because they put planters across the top with your fake plants. But inside there, they had wired them up for sound and were recording conversations of every guest there for some time, probably years. There was another situation, this being a military base, but being an intel training base where they have a mall in that town. Small. It's not very big, but it looks like a mall. And down the center of the mall, you know, you got those little stands and they're selling you sunglasses and covered for your phone and scarves and all this little stuff. And then sometimes people are out there, would you sign this petition? What do you think about this bill? You want to vote for this person. We want to get this on all that kind of stuff. And there were some women there. And eventually somebody just pointed out, it seemed like they were only targeting the male soldiers and it got the attention of some people. And I know a little bit more about that story, but the short version was, is they were arguably what you'd call an allied nation. They were Israelis that were here collecting Intel from soldiers because they were young, therefore likely training and going through intelligence training. And some of the questions, they were getting basic biographical data for whatever they're collecting. 
uh, for whatever they're pretending to sell. And then talking to them, calling them, meeting them later, and starting to try to run them as sources to get info on the training center and what kind of training was being done for intelligence here. And that was an allied nation. Later on, I remember going to the sushi restaurant. Smoking hot Russian girl worked there in her late 20s. Real nice. And I remember guys kind of flirting with her, even very mildly, like truly smooth, not like smooth in the movies. Like you'd really have to know what the guy was doing. And she would ever see it every time and kind of blow him off. She always paid a little more attention to me and talked to me a lot more, but I think it's because I didn't interact with her or attempt to like they did. I was like, give me a beer. I'll watch you wipe down the bar and I'll eat my sushi. Not that I was being creepy. Come to find out there was another girl in town. That was also Russian and very attractive. It was very interesting. So I went to a bar a couple of nights one weekend where this other girl frequented and saw her in there. There's a specific bar in town at the time where, well, to, to explain this, there were several bars of different types in the town. And based on certain times of year and when students were here, you would see brand new soldiers, basically privates, would only go to like one, maybe two bars. You'd see retirees were basically only freaking in one bar. You would see military officers here in training frequent a bar. Sometimes the warrant officers would be there too. There would be the, the uh, NCOs that were retraining or in training in classes for different types. And they go to certain types of bars. Just they kind of didn't intermix. They wanted to stay away from each other. But this one bar, you would always see a bit of all of them. It was a little bit lively. You had some pool tables, good beer selections, usually a fight every Friday night. And I saw this girl there and I watched her for two nights. And then I started asking questions to people who had been there on weeknights to see if she was there. Specific nights of the week, she was always there. And when I watched her, I'm telling you 100% of the time, she was targeting very specific people. She knew exactly who she was looking at. They were always the same type of ranks of people. And they were typically NCOs that were married, which was probably a good target for her getting way too chummy with them. And I would walk by a lot and listen to the questions she was asking. I was like, this is super freaking weird. Like she could be collecting. Now, maybe she was, maybe she wasn't. I left shortly thereafter. And then I came back sometime later and they were gone. So I don't know what happened, but there was plenty of red flags, more red flags than any normal conversation. Like this one with this Marine sounded like a normal conversation. The Russian chick I'm talking about, Went way deeper than that, way too soon, like in the first five minutes. Too aggressive. Maybe she was just slutty, I don't know. But the point is to say that the reason I tell people, you're not going to know if you're being spied on, you're not going to know if there's a real undercover person, is because they're really good at their jobs. Unless they're brand new at it, they're really good at their jobs. They're trained to handle these conversation situations. They're trained to get information from you to where even if you figure out you might not be telling them or shouldn't be telling them something, Whatever you think you told them of importance probably isn't the information they wanted anyway. And that's part of how the job works. What makes this difficult is you go back to this whole thing of dating or meeting random people or just running into old friends and the way they talk to you and you're catching up. That's all it is. That's why it works. And it makes it hard. So it's not to say you should be skeptical of everybody, but you should realize people out there, people like me are always getting information. I tell my friends, I tell people I talk to on a regular basis. And sometimes I have to remind them where they click. I'm always getting information. I'm always getting useful information. And I do it for all kinds of reasons. Some just for practice, some for future presence, 
Some just so I can see how much information they'll tell me. Sometimes to see how far I can push them or how far till they get emotional or how far till they get upset or how far till I can get them off track or how long can I keep them on the phone when they want to get off. I don't do it every time, but I do it sometimes just to make sure I still have that ability in case I ever need it. And most of the time they don't even know. The couple of people that do know that know me that well, like the guys on the three wise men that you've seen, Luke and David, by the time they figure it out, that just is to tell me is what it tells me personally, not what they're saying to me, that that's about where my limit was. That's where I gave myself away. And I analyze it later. Did I go too hard? Did I go too fast? Did I just go too far? Was it a mix of all those? So remember, just think about this. There isn't a lot of chance meetings, but they do exist. Some meetings that people say are chance are not just because they want to run into somebody because they like them and they want to talk to them or want them to ask them for their phone number. Very real. The other thing is, what are you comfortable with? How much privacy and information have you learned from this show that you're giving way too much out on? Or you started to notice how much people give out, especially on social media or just in personal interactions. What about going to those places that are social circles people frequent but don't participate in anything with those people on a regular daily basis, like say religious services or sports teams? Right, Not school, because people are usually in school five days a week. How much information are they giving these people, or even if they're that close to them, other people can hear that they shouldn't be? And that's how you learn to control your information. It's not just about protecting your information. You can find based on societal norms. So let's take the religious services. You have a type of religious service, and you're realizing, man, these people give up a lot of information. And they give up a lot of information when there's people around, they probably wouldn't normally give this to. When you start to see a habit and pattern among people there, you can see there's some sort of societal norm in this religious facility or ones like it where this is considered acceptable and people are used to it. That tells you a couple things. It tells you obviously about where the limit is, but it also kind of tells you what's considered expected. And if you don't give what's inspected, if you get in those conversations, you might seem like the weirdo. But it's important to know where those limits are and how to get out of those conversations when you don't want to have them. And that's something very important to pay attention to because then you can find out too, just like you go to other cultures and other countries or you go to other religious service or you can go to the grocery store or you can go to work, you realize there are societal norms in those environments of work and play and family of what people say, how they communicate, but almost also how much they share. And you find out what that baseline is so that you know what's too much, what's the bare minimum, and what's generally expected. And then you can plan your conversations around those. That way, if you ever get into a situation, and maybe it'll be isolated, maybe it'll be that one time you take a trip and end up on a subway like this poor Marine, but maybe you'll be somewhere and somebody will start having a conversation with you and you're listening to this podcast and you don't want to be worried and freaked out, but you don't want to get yourself in trouble and you don't want to say too much. You want to protect your information, but because you found this societal norm and baseline of that environment, you realize they're falling well within the boundaries here of what people do. So this is probably somewhat normal. And if I don't want to give them all that information, that's fine. Cause I'll just be a little bit mysterious. No big deal. But if they're going way beyond that, way beyond that, they're probably trying to get information from you. Doesn't mean it's nefarious. Doesn't mean they're a bad guy. But why are they trying to get information from you? What are they trying to do? And sometimes that's when you call them out and say, these questions are pretty personal. I mean, why, you know, however you want to phrase it. 
But it's to remember that espionage works, especially when dealing with people, because there's a set of rules based on societal norms, normal habits, normal conversations. They just have a bigger plan. They plan everything out. Conversations are planned. Responses are planned. Chance meetings are planned. Future meetings are planned. They know how to work those conversations around to get that one question in on date night to get that one piece of gold that you don't even realize they gave you. So that's why you got to figure out those norms. But even if you didn't learn anything, hope you enjoyed this story. I'll have more in the future that are treason stories, maybe less of our own people. And we'll use them as learning and teaching tools so you can understand how this business works, what things you can do to stay safe and avoid making mistakes and protect yourself and your family. And perhaps through all these shows, maybe something in here changes your life for the better, and I hope it does. If you like this episode, don't forgive us a like, share, heart, whatever your platform is using, and make sure you let people know you think will enjoy this material. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're at, and don't forget to check out the show notes and check out dmrpublication.com. And we will be back again shortly with more information right here on Grayman, Hiding in Plain Sight.